Now, if you are able, would you stand for the reading of the Word of God, a very short part today from 2 Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, open our hearts to the hearing and understanding of this, your holy word. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Well, a lot of wonderful things are happening in this church. I've been really filled with joy uh, as I've taught the various Bible studies in the church to see the excitement and the earnestness with which people are approaching the Word of God to, to learn it and to be filled with it. And we've got a a couple of, of major studies going on now. One is in the Gospel of John, and the other is on Thursday morning. We meet over at uh, Steve Adams' home if you're free on Thursday mornings uh, and able to come. We'd love to have you at 10 o'clock. And, and so they're going to have to hear a little bit more about the passage we studied at their house this past uh, session on the message of salvation by grace. Now, you know, the church has often been in difficult times, spiritually. And if you look at how God awakened them, it was by drawing them back to his word, which teaches us the truth of God. Sorry, folks, you're not going to find it from Dr. Phil. He doesn't have a clue, I don't think. You're not going to find it from a lot of other places where people run to. But when the church of Jesus Christ has been renewed, it has invariably been tied to the reaffirmation and the return to preaching of scriptural truth. Now, our first sermon in this series focused upon the scripture, the authority of scripture, that scriptures are the inerrant and infallible word of God and that they are what... that God gives us to shape our understanding and our approach to life and how we live it. And the second thing we looked at in this series was Jesus Christ as the only way to salvation. There is no other name under heaven whereby men might be saved, what? Except Jesus Christ. Now, if you study the church prior to the Reformation, you saw that it was filled with superstition and, and spirituality, and it was also filled with uh, a number of leaders whose main uh, occupation as bishops and cardinals was to build great wealth. Not unusual from some churches today, but, but God broke in through the power of the Holy Spirit by bringing two men, one I know you've heard of, Martin Luther, the great German reformer, and one you probably have not heard of, Hulrich Zwingli. Kevin, how would you like to have a name like that? Be, I had a hard enough time learning to spell Gerald. But any, I always spelled it Gerald, I don't know why. But anyway, the, 
these two men were touched by the Holy Spirit at approximately the same time and led to the same truth in terms of analyzing what was wrong in the church and how to get it right. And the Reformation has been marked by four Latin phrases. You know, the the scholars wrote in Latin in those days. I used to be really good at Latin. In fact, I had a professor at Duke one time. I had so many Latin sentences in my paper. He told me I ought to go to study theology at the Vatican. But that was an insult. It wasn't a compliment. But anyway, the, the, the point was that, that these four terms, sola scriptura, solely by the scriptures. We looked at that week before last. Sola Christus, solely by Christ. And today we're going to look at the one sola gratia, solely by grace. And why this is important for the church to understand, it speaks to the heart of how God acts to save us. God, in the richness of his mercy, sent his only begotten Son into the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. I want to ask the world the question this morning. What did we do to deserve that gift? What was it about humanity that merited God sending his only son into the world, not only to teach and walk among us, but to go to the cross for us. Who among us can raise a hand? I have done the things that made that happen. No, we would be a liar if we said such a thing. It is merely out of God's grace that salvation is even made available. I always thought my son Jim, who's a nurse, might end up a preacher. Uh, and and, and I, I think he'd have made a good one. He's, uh, he's always, since he really came to Christ, had a bold spirit. And I know when he was in high school, in high school, he went, graduated in, in, in Mililani, Hawaii. He was in high school over there. Now, since Christianity is a minority religion in Hawaii, it, it always struck me how free people were to talk about religion in the schools. Um, and... Uh, I think it has something to do here with the desire to sp- suppress the truth. But, but I, he told me about a discussion they were having on, on what we expect to receive and why we receive it when we die. And you know, Mormonism is a works righteous religion. It's false religion. You're, you might be a Mormon, have Mormon family. I'm sorry. Uh, it is not the true Christian faith. I got a Good friends of Mormon. But, but this Mormon girl was sitting there, and Mormons are very strong in Hawaii. They've got a, even a temple that's built there. And this Mormon girl said, well, well, at the end of my life, the only thing I want is what I deserve. Now, that old Calvinistic son of mine said, you don't want that. If all of us get what we deserved, we will get hell and damnation. Now, you don't think about a high school kid talking that way, but he did. You know, I guess it's living around me. I don't know. But he, he told her, he said, 
none of us deserve the glory that God offers us in Jesus Christ. Well, he was exactly right. We are not saved by our good works. Paul said it himself, not of works, lest any man should boast. As one of my favorite preachers, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones says, the only thing that recommends us to God, the only thing we have to bring to God is our sin. We are all sinners. Every person in this room is a sinner. I am a sinner. I can identify with what the Apostle Paul said of himself. I perhaps am chief of sinners. We are all sinners. And there is nothing about us that makes us righteous enough to stand before God. The Bible says no unrighteousness shall be in the presence of God. It didn't say some unrighteous. It says no unrighteousness. And how do we sinners get to that right place? What is the mean? It is nothing that we can provide. Nothing we can do. But as Paul said, while we were yet dead in our sins and trespasses. Not when we were great and beautiful. While we were, not when we were alive. While we were dead in our sins and trespasses. That's all of us' this condition. Christ died for us. We are saved because of God's grace. I want to ask you to reflect a moment on a few few items. Have you ever realized That it was God's grace that allowed you to hear the gospel. Those of you sitting here today, it is of God's grace towards you that you are allowed to hear the message of Jesus Christ and his salvation. Through some means, God acted in your life. To bring you to the place where you could hear about Jesus. And it was not of your own doing. I was raised in a wonderful, marvelous Christian home. I got it as a child. It didn't take. But then God put me in a place where I really hadn't been planning to hear the gospel. And I heard it. And by his gracious power, I received. And every one of us look at our own life and, and we can identify, identify the source of God's grace in allowing us to hear the gospel. Your precious mother, Gail. God blessed you because everything about her was about the gospel. 
wasn't perfect like I'm not perfect. But, you know, she loved you in Christ. Praise God. And, and many of us could say that, couldn't we? God's grace is directed towards us by even allowing us to hear the gospel because if we don't hear the gospel, we cannot know Christ. Now, some of my friends say, well, what about those that have never heard? I said, why would God let them be lost because they haven't heard from Christ? People aren't lost because they haven't heard about Christ. They're lost because they're sinners. And it's God's grace that allows some of us to hear. And, and I had people ask me, well, what about that? Uh, I had this happened in my church in Ohio. Well, I meant to tell you about the lost and found. <laughs> One time in Ohio, a pair of false teeth turned up in the church's lost and found box. <laughs> I think the custodian found them in the bathroom, and this person evidently was was so used to not wearing them that they didn't put them back. But anyway, just a humorous sideline you can laugh about. But, but I had a man in the church in Ohio say, well, pastor, you're preaching this. What about those people that have not heard? I said, do you want them to go to heaven? Oh, yes, yes. We all have those kind of stuff shirts. Not in this church. I want to tell you there's not. <laughs> but, but this guy was. And I said, well, uh, Sir, you know, I, I appreciate you having that concern, and this is a man of some wealth. I said, our church is in the midst of taking up a subscription to send two men to India to preach the gospel where the gospel has never been preached. I trust we can count on you for a significant contribution. I don't know if you ever gave it or not. But, you know, yes, we are concerned about the lost. We are not hard-hearted towards the lost. I want to praise God that this church is getting really involved in foreign missions, not only in sending teams out, but of generously giving to support a number of people who are preaching the gospel and spreading his word. That's how one thing we know for sure, that those people, if they're in India, hear the gospel, they might be saved. So God was rich towards you in placing you in the circumstance to even hear the gospel of Jesus Christ that you might be saved, praise God for his grace in that. Amen? When God's grace falls upon you, the Holy Spirit, it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't save anybody in my preaching. We don't save anybody in our witnessing, although we do that because the gospel commands it. But I'll tell you how it happens. It's through the witnessing of the true faith that the Holy Spirit moves on somebody's life and brings them to the place of being saved. We were talking in the, in the Wednesday night Bible study, I, th- I think it was it last week or week four maybe, about the work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I got some... Pentecostal friends. In fact, I guess some family go to the Pentecostal church. I don't really agree with all that stuff, but uh, but uh, uh, they're good people, and I think most of them are saved that I know. Just got a little doctrinal tweak, and they need. But but I was talking to one who said, "Oh, we had a great meeting at church. The Holy Spirit really came down." And I said, "You did." I said, "You mean people were convicted of their sin?" 
People were convinced of the righteousness of Christ and came under judgment. Well, no, I knew exactly what he meant. Don't confuse excitement with substance, okay? And so he, what, that is what happens, though, when, when the message of Christ is preached, the Holy Spirit will convict us of sin. That is an act of God's grace. It's like being sick and not recognizing the symptoms and you don't go to the doctor. But it's God's grace that tells you about the deep spiritual illness, the destructive power of sin. It is God's grace which makes us aware of our sin. Did you know that? Now, you, you believe us. God deals with your sin differently. You're going to be saved. But if you're a believer and in sin, God will correct you. Now, the whirling, he's going to go and drink his beer and party on. The only thing he'll suffer is what the rest of the world suffers. But a believer's different. God will correct and root out the sin in your life. But we first have to be brought to the place where we realize we're sinners and cannot help ourselves. And we are filled with fear over the consequences of living apart from Christ. That's God's grace. If it didn't happen to you, you wouldn't turn to him. And, uh, and I remember my own night. Oh, yeah. God is gracious when he brings us to fear being lost. How is it, Gail, we sing Amazing Grace? I always say that's the greatest song ever written theologically. I mean, that song preaches the gospel every time you sing it. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fear relieved. You know, the... When that grace of Christ comes in to guarantee your forgiveness, to guarantee that you belong to him, that you belong to a Savior, that nothing on earth or on on the powers of, of Satan is able to tear you from his hand. Your fears are relieved. Grace that brings us to be convinced that Jesus really saves. I'm convinced of that of you. I'm convinced today that all my sins through Christ's sacrifice on the cross have been forgiven. And I'm convinced today that he saved me. Grace moves us. To surrender. When, you, when God's grace speaks to us, we're convicted of our sins, we're convinced of Christ, we are led to surrender our lives to him. Now, that surrender is not what earns our salvation. That surrender is the result of coming under grace and giving glory to God for all he's done. You know, the works righteousness person does his good works to receive credit from God and from man does not work. 
As Martin Luther the great reformer said, all of our righteousness is filthy rags before God. Your goodness is not good enough. But we now live for him all by the grace of God. There's no boasting of self but only Christ. Preached a revival years and years ago, way up in the mountains of Tennessee, uh, in this uh, old historic congregational church. Had a long history, and people were proud of that history. And uh, some things about that history they ought to have been proud of. But, uh, but as I, I talked about um, God's correcting grace, this woman came up to me. I, I was stunned. You know, I, I have a upper plate. If I'd had one then, it'd probably fallen out. And and she came up to me and she says, "Well, Reverend," and you could tell by how she was dressed and the nines and everything. She said, "Reverend, I have never felt a need of God correcting me in my life." And I said, "Madam, I should be terrified of saying that because that is one of the marks of those elected to damnation." Because if the Father loves you, according to Hebrews, he will correct you. The blood ran out of that woman's face. Now, I knew why she thought that, and I knew how, where she, she wasn't exposed to real biblical Christianity. Had she been exposed to it, she would have known her. And I trust God began to work in her that night, because I sensed the humility come over her. Those saved by grace know that they are saved by grace and grace alone, by God's richness of his love, allowing us to hear the gospel, moving in our hearts to believe in him, and turning our life over to him because we know his way is the real way. No boasting in ourselves, but only in Christ. One of the most holy and godly men I have ever known said to me one time, when, when it comes to the end of his life, he would say, Christ, if you have nothing for me, I have nothing at all. And this is a man I couldn't hold a candle to. Because he knew that it is from grace alone we are saved. Don't you believe anything else? Don't you believe any other means? It is not in us, but all we have in him is from him, by his glory. You see, he chose you. He called you. And he saved you. Why? Because he is graceful towards you. Billy Graham once said, Grace gives you what you do not deserve. None of us deserve a Savior to die for us. None of us deserve any kind of accolades. But God, in the richness of his mercy, gives us what we don't deserve. I was just so touched when we sing those hymns, uh, uh, What a Day That'll Be. Or Some Glad Morning. I look forward to that morning. Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. See, that's what God gives us. He gives us the assurance of his presence in this life in our troubles.
Amen. Amen. Keith, I think of you and your precious wife and all the troubles you went through in the anxious times, but there was never a moment, was there, that you did not feel his presence because you have been saved by grace. You belong to him. It's not just in the world to come we receive those blessings. They're blessings now. Kind of like that little groundhog in Caddyshack. It's going to be all right. Because we belong to him through his grace. So grace is that which we receive from God that we do not deserve. And the other thing believers receive is mercy. And it's different than grace, as Dr. Graham pointed out. Mercy means that we don't get the things we do deserve. Think about that. So let Lakeview Church understand and proclaim. We are not saved by what we are or what we do. We are saved because of the grace of Jesus Christ given to us out of the kindness and favorableness of God towards us. So we have no cause to boast in ourselves, but we can boast of that wonderful Savior who saved us even when we were dead in our sins and trespasses and allowed us to hear that wonderful message of the gospel of God's redeeming love in Jesus Christ. We can never thank him enough. We can never glorify him enough. We can never do enough for him because he has so loved us and created in us a love for him. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. When we've been there ten thousand years, bright shining as the sun, We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun.